I was listening to another podcast the other day when they suddenly changed topics. A podcast that usually talks sports was now talking wine. They were talking about the great wines of Bordeaux and of Champagne. Then they got into the wines from Italy, from Argentina, California, and Nova Scotia. Wait, Nova Scotia? Nova Scotia got a mention on where you could get some really great wine, particularly sparkling wine and Rieslings. So it begs the question, how do you become a region that's known for producing great wines, especially when, and how do I put this, not very long ago, you maybe weren't known for that? We opened a bottle, we couldn't drink it. It was bad. It, no, so bad. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Food Bubble, where on today's episode, we head to the Annapolis Valley of Nova Scotia to talk wine. And our question that we aim to answer is, how do you go from bad, and I mean really bad, to really, really good in just 25 years? And is it just about the grapes, or could there be some science involved? Trillium Mutual Insurance is your ag insurer of choice in Ontario. They're farm insurance professionals who specialize in and understand Ontario agriculture, providing insurance solutions that are the best in the industry. We all know that insurance can be complicated, but does it have to be? Their real Ontario farm insurance brokers make it simple for you, providing the coverage you deserve. To find a broker partner near you, please visit their website, trilliummutual.com, and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Trillium mutual. Want to know more about where your food comes from in Canada? Farmfood360.ca gives you a 360 degree view of Canadian agriculture. There are dozens of videos featuring real Canadian farmers answering your questions about food, farming, and how it's all connected. You can even take virtual tours and see exactly what it's like to live and work on different Canadian farms. To learn more about Canadian agriculture, visit farmfood360.ca. When you take Nova Scotia's Highway 101 and get off at the start of the Annapolis Valley's Highway 1, almost the first thing you find is the oldest winery in Atlantic Canada. It's nestled into a hill with a parking lot at the bottom. You walk up a steep brick driveway and at the top is the store to buy wine. A little further back, a restaurant, and behind that, the vineyard opens up to rows and rows of growing grapes. It doesn't take very long for the boss to find me when I arrive. My name is Hans-Peter Stutz. I'm the president and CEO of Domaine de Grand Prix in Grand Prix, Nova Scotia. For Hans-Peter, buying this winery 25 years ago wasn't his childhood dream. He happened to come over from Switzerland for a consulting job, but his eyes quickly widened when he saw the potential, even if the wine wasn't very good at the time. Of course, the price of land helped with a budget compared to what he had back home. You have to realize, uh, at this time... An acre farmland here was between 250 and $350. An acre farmland in Switzerland at the same time was between thirty-two dollars and $40,000. If we do it professionally and not just starting a winery with uh, more or less have your, your bagging box in your cellar and, and, and just... Uh, learning by doing, this was not enough. And this was the start. My son did in a university in Switzerland. It's a five-year education. And uh, that's that's all about it. It's, it's all about education here. And then we changed the whole industry. 
That's the, everybody knows this. We were four wineries in 2000, now we're 22. Of course, those 22 wineries that now exist in Nova Scotia all have to be rowing together, so to speak. If one winery is good and the others aren't, you're not going to do very well at building a decent industry. Then, of course, for Hans Peter, you have to almost start from scratch in the vineyard. It was relatively uh, in a short time. I mean, we cleaned up 30 acres and we replanted 30 acres. Brand and this grapes. was uh, brand new grapes then. We used some of the varietals here because we we still have, we still are, and uh, at this time, much more in a cool climate area. But again, with the climate change, we saw we saw then relatively, in a short time, a potential. But one or a few wineries isn't the whole story here. There are many others that don't own a winery that are helping too. You see, in 2016, the Nova Scotia government wanted to help by building a lab. This lab, now known as the Acadia Laboratory for Agri-Food and Beverage, or A-Lab, still has signs of being new. Shiny equipment, fresh paint, even one room still waiting on its tenant. All of it, just a few kilometers up Highway 1 from Hanspeter at Acadia University in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. With fancy-sounding machines like the ASX260 Auto Sampler, or the Fosswine Scan SO2, or even the Wet Chemistry Continuous Flow Analyzer, may sound pretty impressive, but they're here to actually build wine quality. It's a bubble machine. It takes a sample um, from an auto sample over here and splits it seven ways. And I have two benches in front of me with glass coils of tubes on them. And the samples are pumped through by two peristaltic pumps and they split uh, to go to different reference chemistry. So everything here is all basic chemistry and most of it is simple color reactions in the end. So in the end, we are monitoring the color of the product um, after a reaction of some sort. So with the ethanol, um, so I'm measuring alcohol on this back bench here. So the sample comes in and it gets distilled here and the water drops down and the ethanol, which is lighter, comes over here and condenses and comes down this tube over here where it gets resampled and mixed with a chemical called potassium dichromate. And that's an orange, it's bright orange when it's running through the lines. And the more ethanol that's in the sample, there is a reduction that happens and that changes chromium six to chromium three and it goes from orange to green. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it comes over to here to this little spectrophotometer and there's a, a wavelength uh, filter here. So it's measuring the wavelength at 590 nanometers and it can tell the change from orange to green. And on my screen, I see a peak. And so the bigger the peak, the more ethanol I have. Oh, okay. Which is the same principle for all of the other chemistries that are on this bench. The bigger the peak, the more I have. The more you have of whatever of it is. Whatever yeah, it is. Whatever so I'm yeah. also measuring sorbic acid, which is another preservative and end of fermentation uh, product, or you add it to fermentation to stop the oh, fermentation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, on this bench. And total acidity is also measured here. And on this second bench, I have the sulfur, the free and the total sulfur, the total reducing sugars, and the volatile acids. So those are primarily measured in acetic acid, so you don't really want a lot of acetic acid in your wine. That's Haley Craig Barnes, who is in the lab running the samples through the machines. Once the results come out, then you've got to get a visit with... My name is Nesli Hanivit. I work as a wine quality specialist uh, in Perenia and in collaboration with Acadia University. 
and uh, I work in both places to be able to uh, increase the quality of the wines that are produced in the region. It doesn't take long to figure out that there's way more to wine than what I tend to do. That swirl of the glass, that smell it, that make it look like you know what you're doing when you drink wine. You can look at things like sulfur so that the wine doesn't go bad in the bottle. Before bottling, you really have to know how much you have in your bottle so that you uh, guarantee that it will not, for example, if your wine has sugar, for example, um, it can re-ferment in the bottle. Okay. So you can avoid with this with sulfur addition. So that's why they have to know before bottling. Or you can look at the yeast when it's fermenting. One of our aims to get that grape juice as well to test our yeast counter. Yeah. Counter. So we have uh, that equipment over there. Um, so once we start the fermentation, we want to count the number of the yeasts. So we are sure if the fermentation process will um, successfully end. Mm -hmm. So that's why we start up a fermentation and count the number of the yeasts and that equipment also gives you the viability of your yeast cells. Yeah. So you understand how much uh, colony of yeast you have and how much are them alive. So now you're sure of your process will end because the most important part of winemaking is to finish the fermentation without any problems because sometimes it might happen that you might have a stuck fermentation and it's very difficult to st uh, start your yeast to work again and it can cause the quality decrease. But the real question, is there anything special about growing grapes in Nova Scotia? Apparently there is. Once you got the grapes in a way that's healthy and make um, with all the characteristics that come from the soil, then you have to just uh, focus on the style that you want to make. And just with the less um, addition and less uh, interpretation to the actual product, just produce what the soil gives you. And that's what actually Nova Scotia is doing right now, especially with Tidal Bay. Uh, we have that uh, type of um, appellation that is from no only from Nova Scotia, unique to Nova Scotia, and comes from the white grape varieties of Nova Scotia and representing uh, what it comes from the soils and what it comes from the grapes of the region. And it's, um, it's why it's unique because it has, um, it's fresh because it has a good acidity and it has different uh, levels of sugar in that. Uh, some of them are drier, some of them are a little bit on the sweeter side to balance those acidity out. And what it gives really shows what it can be made with white grapes of the region. So uh, that's a very good example of uh, shows that unique why Nova Scotia is unique. And another product which is very good also, as Francisco said, the sparkling wines. Uh, because for sparkling wine making you need a um, so in the sparkling wine, first of all, you need two steps. One of them, you made a normal steel wine. And then the second step is to make the bubbles. So for that reason, for the first uh, step, you need a wine which is a little bit more higher in acidity so that in the second fermentation, you don't lose that freshness. Oh, with adding the bubbles. Yes, yeah. because those steps can uh, decrease the acidity along the way. So what is very good here that we have that acidity and we have that uh, type of wine that can turn into very good sparkling wine. That's another um, uniqueness that we have in the region. Back at the winery, Hans-Peter says once you have that good wine, then it comes to marketing. 
with uh, this climate, with this terroir, we're in the really so lucky position that we can really produce excellent, excellent quality. That means in this phase, it was then all about branding. It was a branding about your own wine, your own winery, your own, your own uh, perhaps signature wines. And then it was the moment... Uh, and of course, I was uh, an important part of this to create an industry, an, an association, to have a to have um, a little more weight. If we go to a government or to a, doesn't matter which project you're working on it, and uh, and then and then I mean it's always this way that uh, other players see what we're doing. We are now in the stage where really the the brand Nova Scotia as a as a grape growing area is uh, recognized country wise domestic wise but more and more international uh, in some areas uh, for me not enough if a winery has a uh, one wine in a famous restaurant in Paris or in London that's for me not enough it's a uh, that's fine but but uh, the key is, if I go to a ProVine in Germany, and ProVine is the largest wine show in, in, in Europe, 6,700 producer. If you bring a, a Riesling to the ProVine, and German growers or winters or winemakers are coming and say, they heard about the Riesling from... Nova Scotia is it allowed to taste it? And to say it's this really from Canada. That's the one. So with thirty-seven thousand visitors to Domaine de Grand Pre in 2018 alone, everyone seems to be betting that that number only climbs. Maybe it's in exports to places like the U.S. or China or Europe. But for Hans Peter, it actually doesn't even have to be that hard. He thinks if the provincial governments smartened up, as he puts it. He wouldn't even need to export. He could sell it all at home. I have not to go to Germany. I have not to go to China. I have not to go to the States to find new markets if we would have an open domestic market because we wouldn't have enough wine. The Canadians are very loyal to the to their own brand and Canadian brand, and you know how many how the thousands of maritimers are working out west or in Ontario or in the, they will purchase Nova Scotia wine, hundred percent sure, but not in this way. And here is the, finally the consumer, the citizen consumer, is not critical enough. Why are the people in in PEI accepting these high prices on alcohol just to bring it over the bridge and and feed the the government with a blind tax? Stupid, absolutely stupid. But obviously we aren't there yet, and who knows when that could even happen? So the work begins to look overseas. China is a potential one. Hans Peter says the fishermen have benefited from that, so maybe there's a play for them too. You remember, we paid four years ago, five years ago, for a pound of lobster at Christmas time, three dollar fifty to four dollar. To pay now for the same pound of lobster between twelve and fourteen dollar a pound. Result of the China market. Result. They're taking all the. They're of course. All the oh, they wow. take everything. And of course, the lobster, uh, the fishermen, they're absolutely happy. 
Now, if I would come to China and say, listen, or, or just in general, if a Chinese is willing to pay $150 for a lobster in a restaurant, he would be more than willing to pay also $100 or $120 for a Tidal Bay in a restaurant. That means the synergy, this matching, pairing, food and wine, that means a Tidal Bay or a Lacadie Blanc and a lobster would be perfect. That's the only reason I would do it, would do it. But our philosophy and my philosophy is not to go with wine, to go with niche products. Niche product means an ice cider, an apple ice wine, a cream liqueur, and now new uh, with uh, blueberry wine. We are so privileged here in Atlantic Canada to have enough uh, wild blueberries, and we produce the most beautiful, beautiful blueberry wine just created for the Chinese market. That's it. So finding a good growing area, step one, plant good grapes. Step two, use a bit of science and build a brand and I guess wait 25 years and maybe you can start to change minds in just what wine can actually be when it comes from a place like Nova Scotia. It's no easy feat, but they are making great progress. So give up any preconceived notions you have about a particular area because clearly things can change. Who really cares about what you eat? You do. And these 200 plus food experts. Bestfoodfacts.org connects you with leading university experts on food and farming in North America. With over 500 questions answered and new content weekly, it's a dependable source available across all social channels. Get the details you want from credible people who've dedicated their entire careers to the study of food. You care about what you eat, so take time to digest the facts. Visit bestfoodfacts.org today. Next time on Food Bubble, we head from Atlantic Canada west. Our first stop is to visit a chicken farmer from a small community north of Edmonton to try to help answer the question, what does sustainability mean when it comes to food? After all, I know I see all kinds of labels that say sustainable when I'm going grocery shopping, but what's it mean for those involved in the food chain? We'll also find out from folks at Co-op that sell products to farmers and sell groceries to you in Co-op branded grocery stores. Plus, we'll talk to the NGO Ducks Unlimited about their take. That's next week on Food Bubble. An extra thanks to Peggy Crawford at Acadia University for the help with today's episode, as well as John and Francisco who helped tour us around the lab. Food Bubbles produced by Jess Campbell and Jess Nicholson. We put it together here at Fresh Air Media. Being new, we'd love your help in rating and sharing so more people can find it. Or if you have a food question you'd like us to answer, you can just send it my way. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all as Fresh Air Farmer. So ask away. We've got episodes coming on everything from foreign workers on farms to how your taste buds work to why organic is more expensive than regular milk in the grocery store. It's a pretty wide field we're working with. So don't be a stranger and let us know what you'd like to hear. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed next week.